Welcome back to the Low Bottom High Rise podcast with me, your host, Moira Kasaba. And today I have for you just an incredibly real, open, honest conversation with Chris Robbins. Chris Robbins is um, just an incredible person. He's the spouse of the one and only Mel Robbins. And, you know, I have to say, after we recorded this episode, I just kind of sat with it, the honor and the privilege of being able to hold space and be in conversation with people like Chris, you know, the opportunity to just have a, a, have a conversation about growth, about change, about honesty, about, you know, the ups and downs and, and how we get through them and how we are still trying to get through them um, and paying that forward to others. You know, Chris runs a program called Soul Degree and it's an adventure inspired personal growth program for men, which I am like a freaking man. (laughs) We need more of that, right? We need more spaces and places for men to have their voices heard, to be seen. And Chris is doing just such a beautiful job of holding that space. And um, I'm just really excited for you to get to know him and his story and and share in this conversation today. So let's dig in. Well, Chris, it's such an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show to be able to just open up a conversation about a lot of different things, what you are doing in the world right now is so interesting and admirable to me. Um, you are married to the one and only Mel Robbins, uh, but you have your own path in all of this. And I have so many questions, but what the predominant question on my mind is if, because you've had such a varied past, who would you say Chris Robbins is today? I guess I would say maybe simplistically, just somebody who's way more aware. Mm -hmm. Uh, I say that in contrast to, well, where were you, right? (laughs) Naturally, that's the question, where were you? And I think for many years, I was in a, in a fog and, Mm -hmm. and not like, you know, just not paying attention or, or focused on things outside of me, mostly, let's put it that way. A lot of, a lot of attention on what's external and mm-hmm. beyond me. Um, and so that has definitely been a big pendulum swing for me in my, I guess, evolution as a, yeah. <laughs> as a human. <laughs> and that's been a good swing, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, remarkable for sure. Um, a much, um, you know, I, I, we all have our ebbs and flows where, or naturally things are up and things are down, but, um, I'm in a much more contented place than where I, yeah. you know, what were for many years for sure. Yeah. How much do you think is how much of that, that you experienced is just normal kind of human evolution, right? Like I, we're probably right in the same age bracket, I think. And so I, in my like mid forties have found like this natural evolution that I think happens with people where you start to tap into the inside a little bit more, you get a little wiser, you start to realize the things that matter and you stop chasing all the shiny objects quite as much. And it is such a beautiful, like, it's just such a weight off your shoulders. There's work to do there though. 
But how much do you think that is just kind of normal path for, for everyone versus maybe for you? Oh, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's like rite of passage, human nature kind of thing. And I think maybe I, uh, I'm loath to admit that, you know, for many of us, it takes at least 50 years to realize that, Mm -hmm. you know, the hero's journey that we're on is like (laughs) what everybody is on and everybody needs to, needs the, the, the time uh, and years to pass before maybe there's some, at least maybe eyes opening to yeah sort of what we were either conscious or unconscious to in years past yeah i mean i think we all have to bang our head against the wall on um whatever that might look like and not everybody accepts that invitation i feel like right i feel like some people kind of continue to hide or run from it for the rest of their life and they never really get to go on that journey were you looking for the pendulum swing or did it kind of hit you upside the head? <laughs> oh yeah, totally upside the head. Yeah. Um, I think that I, you know, I found myself in a, in a t- tough spot after feeling like 25 years of trying to do what certainly I grew up observing, which was, mm-hmm. you know, I said the other day, you know, like I, I grew up with Don Draper. Um, yeah. I didn't know the the other side of Don Draper when I was a kid, but I certainly saw somebody doing something that I thought like that was what I was supposed to do. Like go, right. go be the provider, go make the money, go. Um, and I wanted to do that, but I think I was attempting to do that for all the wrong reasons. And so um after countless attempts and then uh, this i was in the restaurant business for like 10 years and it was an extraordinary experience but it definitely kicked me in the mouth on many levels and i Mm. deemed it a a failing and so i think if there's that inflection point of you know where did things turn around it was like well i guess that was my bottom was yeah. coming out of that feeling like, wow, I really have not actually delivered on this thing that society. Um, yeah, yeah. Or that unconsciously I felt like I needed to achieve. So that, that I think was, was really the moment. Um, and I guess uh, back to your question, like, do we all go through this? Does it all, does it take 50 years or whatever? I I, I do think that we learn from our mistakes. Yeah. And we need to have enough of those. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. The, a lot. Sort of yeah. the tap, tap, tap until, like you said, you, the pendulum swings upside your head and kind of knocks you, knocks you over. <laughs> and I'm I'm sure just like everyone gets to that point where you realize what a gift, what a gift that was, and you know, what came out of that. But how what did that journey look like? Like how long did it take you from feeling what we can all relate to utter hopelessness, utter failure, utter defeat, just that, that black hole to, you know, okay, this is all for a greater purpose. I see a different path and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good that's going to come out of this because that can be a long road. Well, I mean, some would, I guess some would say that that's, you know, that's a healing journey 
of, mm-hmm. of sorts. And I would definitely say that I have been on that. And I think it never, on some level, I'm not sure it ever ends. Yeah. Really. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be on it and I would right. say I'm, I don't know, six or eight years into it, I guess yeah. is kind of how it feels for me. Um, so maybe that's the short answer to your question is like, well, yeah. how long has it been? And, and, um, but I, I, I'm surprisingly really content admitting mm-hmm. that I'm on that journey. Yeah. And, and look, you know, for me, it's like, come on, let's be real. Like my, my, my background is not like, I wasn't left in a ditch alone and, yes. you know, like shaking a tin can kind of thing, like right. none of that stuff. It's, yeah. it's a lot of it is my own, I think, psychological undoing mm-hmm. as, as it was, you know, a normal guy trying to make it happen and maybe losing sight of, you know, what's here. Right. Um, but I think that's so important to, you know, voice that because pain is pain. Depression is depression. Hopelessness is hopelessness. No matter if, because I think a lot of times for many years, I told myself, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I had like a, as normal childhood as you can get. I mean, as you get older, you realize (laughs) not so normal, but I, I think we can sometimes shame ourselves when we have had a pretty solid, normal quote unquote life that we shouldn't feel this way. Absolutely. And and we need to acknowledge that no matter the cause, we're here. And we can't, until we acknowledge it, we can't do anything about it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I, I think that, and and look, I think some of that, I wonder, I mean, I haven't done lots of sort of studying of, you know, generational evolution and sort of things that are passed down from our own, but you and I are similar age. And so we you know, had, we grew up with parents that were experiencing probably similar things. And it it is a little learned. Mm -hmm. Um, For sure. I think so much of it is, like you said earlier, just subconscious, almost like it's, you can't point to an event or an act or, you know, an abusive situation necessarily, but it's just the undercurrent of what is there on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I think when I, when I think about what I look forward to about it all, you know, cause some people be like healing journey, like, can't wait to get the fuck off of that thing. Right? <laughs> I mean, yes. Um, and I think for me, there's just a lot of much deeper conversation to be had about, well, what does that even mean? And whether that's, yeah you know, what's going on in your family or your, your own definition of spirituality or what's going on just like for your own body. Like, I mean, I think in all the work that I do, I would say that like the singular theme that comes up time and time again is like, guys go out and they focus on the needs of everyone but themselves for the Mm -hmm. most part. Yeah. And so we like just develop this habit of losing sight of what we need. Yeah. And to even define that, like for me, when I sort of like scratched on that, I'm like, I didn't even know how to kind of author what right. 
what was truly, you know, something that I thought was important to me. And I think that that takes time to figure those things out and then invest the time and energy in, you know, taking care of you first. Yeah. It's like a discovery. You know, I can remember I got sober way back in the day when I was 21. And I remember feeling this, like, I felt like a child because I essentially emotionally was, but I would go like rollerblading and then I would go sailing. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't even know what I like, you know, I've been living mm-hmm. in this altered reality for so many years. And I think we need to do that as adults too, is, is constantly explore like what lights us up? What makes us tick? We, we just succumb to this, you know, go to work, come home, make dinner, bring the kids to practice, go to sleep, wake up. And it's like, I've always been aware of the unfortunateness of, I feel like the average American life is really unhappy. And, you know, if you take the average, it's not the average, it's kind of below average. You know, people are living paycheck to paycheck. They're there's just not a level of joy that I feel like we are meant and a level of connection that we are meant to live. And so when you kind of started out on this journey, you said six or seven years ago, what did, what did that look like? Because I'm the, you know, type A Enneagram three and I'm like, okay, so what do we do? You know, I, I wanted, I wanted to do list, but, and that's different for everybody, but what are some of the things that you did to start to kind of you know, come, not come out of that, but just start down that road of healing of, you know, getting to this place now where you're very content in life. Mm. I would say there are a few things. Um, One is like, just like getting in touch with how little I was saying, Mm. (laughs) you know, how, how unexpressed I was about mm-hmm. things that were going on for me. Um, and, you know, uh, here's a perfect example. Like I, at the time I, I came out of the restaurant business and Mel's career really started to take off in a way that required us to make different decisions about how we were going to deal with our three kids. And mm-hmm. so I sort of took on that role. And to me in the beginning, like that was the epitome of failure. Right. That's a very Um, tough transition. My husband and I have gone through that. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, I had already been saying for years that I wanted to Mm -hmm. have more time with my children. Um, But as soon as that reality hits, like, be careful what you wish for. I was like, absolutely. Oh my God, here I am. And um, this is not the sign of a successful man. And so I, I had to I had to move through that. Yeah. And I remember sharing in tears with my kids my belief mm-hmm. that um I was not, I wasn't delivering on that that expectation. Right. And didn't believe that. And you know, coming out of that, I, that, that even being able to share that with my own family, I would say is sort of like an example of a beginning of being able to say, this is what's really going on. And, 
you know, it sounds sort of silly, but at the time I was also getting certified to be a yoga instructor mm-hmm. and that deep dive of yes. um, training and sort of understanding about what we're listening to and mm-hmm. how much and how is it, you know, run, <laughs> either running our every day, but also yeah. like on the yoga mat and just like listening to your body or listening to what's going on in your head. Um, and of course that led to me then like getting into some Buddhism and like getting certified in meditation, guiding and that sort of thing. And like that whole thing was about like, just keep slowing this thing down. Like it was then that I started to recognize, okay, like there has been a lot of like heavy pace, like get it up get get it done yeah see go go like you got yeah, the restaurant i mean the restaurant a lot industry, of gripping yeah. a lot of and even before the restaurants like it yeah. was in the corporate world and yeah i was you know either selling or hopping planes or whatever but just a lot of either pushing or mm-hmm. gripping or um or resisting for that matter and I, again like i said earlier i think i was oblivious to that a little bit whereas you know starting to get into some of these modalities i think had me start to wake up a little bit. And then it was really then that I was like, hang on, I I need something to, and this is the origin of soul degree is like, I created soul degree, this five day men's retreat out of an experience that I needed. Cause I was like, I didn't have meaning in my life. Mm -hmm. I I needed some perspective to like, think about, okay, well, what am I going to do next? Or how am I? Yeah. And I also missed you know, not being in the company of men remote, being able to just kind of be, be me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I've been, I mean, I've been leading these now for that journey, like about six years and you know, in California, Wyoming, Vermont. And How many a year do you do? I only do about two or three a year. Yeah. They always, um, you know, they, they, they fill up fast. Cause I think particularly guys that sort of see the, the benefit of maybe carving out a little time truly yeah. for themselves, which we rarely do. And yeah, it's been cool. I mean, I've had some former professional athletes and obviously plenty of guys that have been, you know, that are veterans been on tours of duty and some entrepreneurs, but just like guys from age 22 to almost 70, that's from so all cool. like walks of life and different backgrounds and coming together for kind of one purpose, which is what I needed was to like be in the company of some men talk about, okay, this is really what's going on. This is how I'm feeling. This is where sort of the, where I'm taking stake, if you will. And then mm-hmm. thinking about like, well, what is next? Cause I mean, we're often, right. I mean, it's not like we're always at a crossroads, but often the swirl is fast yeah. enough at this point in our lives that there's often change going on, whether we've moved or we're relationships going on, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we're retiring or we're starting a new job or whatever that thing might be. Um, it's rare that we actually like try to just stop everything. And Right. Well, and it. I think so often people aren't even aware that they're kind of barreling through the crossroads, right? Because we never take the time to step back and 
for me, it's always been, I mean, I was, can look back now. Of course, I thought my life was over when I had to get sober at 21, (laughs) but because I got sober at 21 from a really young age, I've always thought that I've always kind of done that. I've stepped out of my life. I remember when I was dating my husband, I think we were both like 25 getting ready to get married. Like everyone thought I was really weird because I was like, I'm going to go down to another city and stay in a hotel for two days to contemplate my life. You know, mm-hmm. But I, I was aware of stepping out of my life is the only way that I can really look into it and, you know, decide with intention and time and space what's important to me? What do I want to create? What are those goals? And it's amazing to me how few people do that. And, you know, I've led retreats for years through work. And so it's bringing women together coaches. So that's kind of in that personal growth space. But every time I'm at a business retreat, I'm like every, every single person needs this, you know, they need to step away for two days and, and get intentional and and get connected and get vulnerable because that's really where we can make those decisions to then go back into our lives and live differently. And and there's so much less of that for men, you know, so much less of that. And it's interesting that this conversation is happening today because I was just connecting. I was in a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine. He's a young um, brain science doctor. I love brain science. And I had no idea that his father had committed suicide. Mm. until he put up a post and shared, you know, just kind of honoring men in the struggle and in the silence that so many men live in because there's just not a a safe place or it's not societally accepted to, you know, admit pain, admit struggle. And just what you're doing is so commendable. It really is. Mm, well, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I do feel that, you know, there's some things out there that I read that it just, I, I don't want to believe that there's, um, that men in particular may be struggling, but I, I think that there's plenty of evidence that suggests not, not to say that women are doing better if you're looking at, you know, male, female, but, um, it's more accepted. There is a lot of displacement going on with men and, you know, their sort of identity or roles in the household or, or, you know, earning potential or mm-hmm. even like the crumbling of sort of like things like religion and organized, yeah. you know, groups like that. Um, yeah. I, I think do, about I it. Our fathers it. were at Kiwanis and, you know, the, whatever those old school organizations were for men that they used to go to things like that on a regular basis. It was like, everybody was part of, you know, these different organizations back in the day. And you just don't see that as much anymore. Yeah, it's true. Well, it is. I mean, we're, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's certainly the, 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 the pacing of it all does seem to pick up maybe with the things like technology and <laughs> what all these other things, FOMO, I guess, being right. one of, you know, one of those <laughs> like bringing society down. Um, but I do hear that, that, you know, from a lot of women that they're, they don't believe there's a lot of this out there. I think, I think it's changing a little bit though. I yeah. think both the, 
maybe things that are being offered, but also um, a slow sort of warming up to this notion that what is going on inside matters and that the more we kind of hold on to it or hold it up in our own head or heart for that matter, like we really are running serious well-being risks. Yes, absolutely. Well, and it's so interesting. My my mind's like just kind of spinning and it's not necessarily masculine feminine, although I've heard it referred to for decades as the masculine or the feminine within, you know, women and within men. But it's not necessarily a, a tapping in or a balancing of the two. It's really just the whole person. It's the whole being, right? And that can get tricky in marriage to kind of maneuver through that. And I think so often, you know, for me being type A driven, successful, you know, I can be very masculine in my, you know, business and that's how I succeed and that's how I achieve. And then it's hard for me to be the vulnerable one, you know? And so is that masculine feminine or is that just kind of the person? And then with men, it's, it's like, you see both ends of the spectrum out there, right? You see like men need to be men and tap into their masculinity and, you know, break things and knock things over, whatever. And then it's like, but (laughs) do you know what I mean? It's like this messaging that's out there in the world, but then there's also this side of vulnerability and truth speaking. And that's why I'm saying, I don't think it's a feminine thing. I think it's just a, a, a human thing. Yeah. But it seems to me that there are two very far ends of the spectrum that I see kind of out there. And tell me a little bit more about Soul Degree. I know it's the retreats that you run two or three times a year. Do you do anything outside of that? And, you know, is there processes that you take them through? What does that look like? Well, um, I mean, on retreat, I think that the there's a few main objectives. You know, one is to step into a container of 12 guys away from it all, as you say, like step out of what is really going on um, and maybe put on a a different set of lenses. Mm -hmm. Um, There are structured conversations and lots of unstructured ones, Um, you know, but I think some of the structured conversation is driving at uh, guys being able to, through telling their own stories, if you will, and uh, maybe bringing with them what is truly going on in their yeah. respective journey. Because I do encourage that, right? Like if you're if you're going to go take five days out with twelve right. other guys, like put the time to work. Like right. go go to task on something that really matters to you. Yeah. Otherwise like go golfing. Right. Um, (laughs) Right. And, um, and so uh, that's not to say that you have to have some massive life problem, but it's a good forum in which to be Mm -hmm. able to say like, this is what's going on here. Yeah. And um, so some of that conversation is, you know, helps, elevate that and mm-hmm. expose that and get it circling in the midst of this safe environment where people yeah. can kind of be themselves a little bit. And then, 
you know, things like yoga and meditation and, you know, we do a good amount of just hiking, nothing crazy, but like putting backpacks on and going out for 10 miles a day or what have you. And it's just, it is a good backdrop for men to be able to dive deeper into Mm -hmm. things that are really going on or share that perspective that's happening. Um, And certainly, you know, just being around the table together or around the fire together, some of which might be structured, some of might be like unstructured, but um, allowing, again, just every moment, like uh, either allowing room for people to really continue to like slow down their nervous system, mm-hmm. attention to the bird chirping in the tree to, Hey, let's have it. Let's have this conversation about what you mentioned about the fact that, you know, you're losing your mother and father right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, so the retreats are, you know, and there's some writing and some reading and, and also, like I said before, it's like, it's not all heavy and deep and like, we're there to have some fun, have some, yeah. Laugh. Like, like that also goes part and part with stepping outside of life mm-hmm. is like, get off the fucking escalator. Right. And, right. And loosen some loosen joy. Yeah. Sure. And, but also like have that, have that occur inside of, you know, understanding our own humanity and telling, you know, and, and sharing what's true. Yeah. Which again, to your point, maybe it's not always in our nature to go do that, particularly not with guys that we don't know, or particularly not like in a strange environment, like the woods somewhere. So I (laughs) I get, you know, it's, it's, I think (laughs) it's probably a safer environment because they don't know, you know, it's like, I can remember I started facilitating groups about eight years ago online. And I remember thinking, I'm not doing any, like online sounded so cold to me. And I remember being just blown away at the honesty and vulnerability. And I thought, what is happening? Like, I don't understand. Women are just sharing everything. And I was like, oh, because it is online because they don't know each other. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was a very well, safe that's the place. other thing that I am doing um, for the first time. I have not done this ever before, but I am launching uh, um, a program online, a year long program. I'm, you know, I'm calling it the huddle. I love that. Um, just for guys to take Ninety minutes once a month, yeah, to puddle up and try to do some of this. Like, try to yeah. like, okay, let's draw the blinds on mm-hmm. everything else. Let's take this moment, and it'll be thematic. So I'll try to. I'm, you know, my intention is to sort of weave some important themes through some books that I'll I'll be proposing and some writing prompts. I mean, it's not going to be an onerous kind of, let me add something to your to-do list, but it's more like me time. Yeah. Yeah. But to do it. um, And I realize, you know, digital is digital. It's not the same thing as sitting around the snap crackle and, you know, pop of a fire, but um, it like gets back to the need that I think yeah, we have to stop, absolutely. like try to stop. And I realize stopping in front of a monitor, looking into a screen is maybe a lot of what we feel like we're doing, but at least in this conversation, in the huddle, the intention is to 
help guys give thought to how to find a little more meaning and fulfillment and what they're yeah. up to um, outside of whatever might feel like the, the everyday. Yeah. And it's so important to just have that consistency, like you said, of once a month. And, and honestly, it's one of the only, it's the only way we can do it this day and age. You know, my son, he's 15 and I kept wanting him to join a small group and, you know, we kept trying it. It just, it would never work. It would never work no matter what season, no matter what time of day, no matter what day of the week. And then we finally had somebody to reach out and I was like, I really want him to do this. And the leader said, well, I'm going to do Zoom calls, even though they're all in town. He's like, I'm going to do a Zoom call Wednesday night at nine o'clock once a week and we'll get together once a month. I was like, that's brilliant, you know, because everybody can do that. We can't all get together in person on a yeah. weekly basis. So and that's kind of the powerful. inspiration there is just yeah. not everybody can come on retreat and I totally get it. And I'm definitely somebody that, um, it, you know, is, is enjoys a more intimate moment mm-hmm. than, um, thinking that more is better, but at the same time, I think this conversation or the, the, the guys having a little bit more fluidity and comfort in having conversations about soulful matters, if you will, Mm -hmm. is what I want to be doing. And so to the extent that maybe this huddle is a way to open the doors for a few more, I mean, that's the hope really. Yeah. I love that so much so much. Um, can I, let's, uh, let me ask you this because this is a, really a personal question kind of, but I'm sure it comes up in, in so many relationships, you know, you kind of going through this metamorphosis, this change, which was, you know, really different from the life, say you were living 10 years ago. And we had talked about this right before we started recording Sometimes there can be this struggle with husband and wife, and it can totally go both ways. So I deal and work with a lot of powerful women that, or not even necessarily powerful women. I want to say women, there's two sides to this. Women that are very interested in the personal growth space. They're kind of living in that space and their husbands are like rolling their eyes. You know, this is malarkey. This is crazy. And So my first question is, how would you, what would you offer them to kind of nudge their husbands or, or is it more attraction rather than promotion? You know, sometimes there becomes that divide when one person, male or female starts to grow and starts to evolve and starts to really do the work and the other partner isn't. How would you, what would you say from a male perspective? Um, I, I say this because it is on my mind and, and Mel and I have been doing it of late. Um, and I really like it. Um, but this, uh, if you follow her on social, she talks about like doing the three wins. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this? Yes. The idea of being able to have a not structured or heated conversation about like, well, what did you, what went well, or what are you psyched about or proud of in the last 24 hours? Same thing in the last 60 days. And then what are you looking forward to, or what are you trying to make happen? And, you know, it sounds like something that on the surface, like, oh, I could only talk about that once a week or what have you, but actually 
doing it on a more yeah. regular basis um, helps really just open those sort of yeah. communication waves, if right. you know, those channels of like, hey, what's going on for you? Yeah. And that's very different than, hey, you should listen to Mel Robbins or, you know, yeah. or, or this podcast or read yes. this book. Yes. And man, what a bummer that, you know, you're not following Tony Robbins or whatever. Like, right. I, I think that. That's um, so powerful, Chris, because, you know, my husband has his own business. I have my own business. And I also have this kind of unwritten script of, I mean, he kind he kind of knows what's going on in my business, but a lot of times when he comes home, I think I'm trying to leave business aside. But just like you said, maybe there was a person I connected with today, or maybe there was a conversation I had or a project I'm thinking about launching and just uh, allowing that conversation on the, I mean, that's on it, especially on a daily basis connects you so much more, you know? I do. And I, and I think that there's, you know, I think another thing that is pretty expansive is like this whole concept that everybody talks about with gratitude and even just being proactive about mm -hmm. engaging in conversation about what you are grateful for, or including the act of like sharing what you're seeing or feeling. I mean, look, you need to lead by example. Right. So if you're like, damn, my husband's not that thoughtful or mm -hmm. emotive or, you know, he's not, you know, walking down the personal growth path. Well, I think to a large extent, lead with what's going on for you. And if right. you're, for example, feeling uh, gratitude for things in your life mm -hmm. along the way and sharing those there, you may find there's a sort of a reciprocity or a, a warming yes. of that and a desire to want to, you know, it, it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight, but I think right. the, the actions on your own behalf, uh, again, I don't mean to like put it back in the lap of the woman. No, I, man, you know, takes more interest in this, but yeah, uh, but I agree. I think sometimes, um, when I work with women that are like, you know, kind of down the spectrum of like really angry, frustrated, pissed off about, I'm like, and how much on the personal growth path are you? You know, because if, if those are the emotions that are coming up, then you're really not doing the work that you should be, like you said, leading by example, you know? Which I, again, I would say is easier said than done because most of us didn't grow up necessarily in environments where that was all being modeled. Right. That, yeah. you know, that sort of self-reflection or a curiosity of who we are, where we came from, all these things. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know that that, no. I mean, I had some of that in my upbringing, but I, it didn't take root right away. I was still like a freak show, insecure, like yeah. trying to please everyone kind of guy yeah. for so many years. <laughs> oh, well, and that makes me think of parlaying this question into kids, right? Because children, of course, I'm like, I need you to read these 12 books in the next 12 months because as you know, somebody in this space, we understand 
books and philosophies and certain concepts. I mean, if you can get them young, you are so far ahead of the game. Mm. But of course, I've had to, you know, just kind of sit back and think, okay, I'm just going to pray that it's getting through to them through <laughs> osmosis because they are not, anytime I've tried to implement anything, I'm like, this is not working. And so I've kind of had to back off, but how do you handle that with your kids? Is it just kind of like, hopefully they'll pick up on some of this or, I mean, do you ever, well, our youngest is 17. So we're, yeah. we're kind of <laughs> right. Like, isn't that what they say? There's nothing else you can do out. No, right. I'm well, that's why I'm asking. I'm like, you're about five years ahead of me. So give me, give me the cliff notes. <laughs> I, um, I would say based on both Mel's and Mai's upbringing and um, maybe some of our reflections or realizations about kind of who we've become as a result of our childhood. I mean, some of that plays out naturally. We're always like, oh, I'm going to do it differently than how mom did it or how dad did it. And, you know, there's some of that, but I think that um, maybe what shifted in us being parents of uh, our kids is that we really wore a lot of our breakdown on our, like that was very front and center and we were willing to, um, and even when the kid's seven, like there's still, I think sometimes there's this tendency to like, we got to hide it. We Mm got to look strong. We're the parent, blah, blah, blah. And I think whether we intended to hide it or not, we didn't do a good job of that. And so subsequently there was a lot of like transparency and openness and sharing and, you know, like being around the dining room table and playing high low. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and, and speaking your high, but then like being in tears over your low in front of your like 10 year old. I mean, um, but what a beautiful thing for them to be able to see and I feel like I did have parents that they didn't fight a lot, but I saw them fight. And I can remember the messaging was kind of like, it's, you know, if, if somebody says they never fight or never argue, like then, you know, that's a crock, like that's not reality (laughs) and really getting that message as a kid, but also like, no matter what we go through, no matter how angry your father and I are with each other, we're going to get through it. You know, that's non-negotiable. And so it was like, oh, the emotions were it it was still safe, you know, as a child, like even if they were arguing, I didn't feel unsafe. I wasn't unsure of the future. And I think that's so important to model for our kids that, you know, it's okay to experience the up downs and all arounds and the breakdowns and the hard times. And, you know, so many kids I think are coming out of childhood, just kind of like a lot of people did in our generation where, you know, everything's perfect on the outside. Let's not talk about what's going on on the inside. And setting maybe false expectations right. for ourselves about what we think we need to, you know, live into. Yeah. And yeah. so I would say that's the only other thing like Mel and I talk a lot about is just the, um, it sounds silly, but like just reminding them that, you know, we love you exactly mm-hmm. like how you are, what's going on. Um, and trying to take the pressure off this notion that there is something they need to do or need to achieve, if you will. And it's a fine line. Like, you know, part Mm -hmm. of you as a parent setting up guardrails is 
trying to inspire them to, to go after things and, mm-hmm. and be okay with the breakdown or the failure or what have you. Again, easier said than done. But, and I would say that's another thing that is, is maybe not something we consciously thought of, but the more and more I think about it as the older my kids get is just being able to try to part of that guardrail setting is like trying to have them really zero in on the things that they're into. Yeah. Yeah. Foster their talents and desires. Some sort of like, man, I just love doing this thing. Yeah. And, and nurturing that to the extent, even if it's, out of, well, hang on, I grew up and you're supposed to go play lacrosse right. at one school and you've got to do this thing. And it's like, I don't know, man, if they're into, you know, if they're into piano. Yeah, absolutely. You got to get on board as a graceful parent. And yeah. let, them, let them run with that. Cause that, yeah. is, that does seem to like, we see that sort of playing out with our kids and yeah. not even sure we were consciously trying to foster that, but it's beautiful to see. Yeah. And I think there's, there is somewhat of a fine line between nurturing their talents and desires and putting pressure on there, you know, because isn't it crazy? I mean, and maybe this is just me because I did grow up type a, you know, the best at sports and the best at this and all the things, but I can remember having small children and saying to one of my best friends said her child was struggling with something. And she's like, I just you know, I just want to have an average kid. And I thought, what? Like, I want to have the best, smartest, you know, pro athlete. And I thought, what is wrong with me? You know, because as parents, you can't help but have this unconscious desire or conscious desire for them to be the best in the drama or the best student or the best athlete. And I'm very well aware of how much, even though my parents didn't put that on me, society gave me when you are rewarded and you're you know you're achieving at a young age that pressure is is a lot when you step into the teen years to to keep that up you know yeah it's true and it and it <laughs> it never really kind of ends depending right. on how good we are at like turning it off right right Oh my gosh. Well, this is such a great conversation. I love every part of it. I want to tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find information about your retreats, the huddle, all of that good stuff. I'll put it all in the show notes, but let me know where we can find you. Yeah. I mean, um, it's all pretty much at, at souldegree.com. Um, I'm also soul degree on Instagram. Um, and learning my ways about the social media space. It's not uh, <laughs> unlike, unlike my talented marketing wife. Um, I, I, I don't get up every day and, and run to social media. So I'm, I'm learning there, but soldegree.com, <laughs> you can find information about these three retreats coming up this May, June, and September in Vermont. Awesome. And then there's information there also about the huddle. And I'm, I'm not sure when this is airing, probably long after this little webinar that I'm hosting next, the 14th. And then this huddle kicks off on the 28th of this month. Okay. Well, we might be able to push this out in time for that. (laughs) 
don't don't do it on my on, on my <laughs> on behalf of me. But <laughs> yeah, hosting a webinar next Wednesday to just sort of introduce this, you know, a free webinar just to introduce the huddle itself, and then we'll get started the end of this month. That's awesome. 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 Well, Chris, thank you for your time. Thank you for your presence and just such a beautiful conversation and just keep doing what you're doing because the world needs it. Well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share a little bit about it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thanks for listening. I want to remind you to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That would be super, super helpful to us. And share in your social media. Tag me. I love hearing what you guys have to say, your takeaways, all the things. So make sure you're tagging me in your social media posts when you share the episodes. And we will see you next week.